Amen. You may be seated. Well, good morning. Is God the way maker? Miracle worker? Listen, he's got a plan for our lives today, and I want to encourage you. I hope and pray that you actually find it, because life has no meaning apart from Jesus Christ. He is our creator, therefore he created us to worship him. What's the chief end of man? What's your purpose in life? Your purpose in life is to bring God glory. If somebody asks you what you do, say, I'm a glorifying, listen, I'm a person who glorifies the Lord. I want to walk in glory. Amen? And listen, these big words that we say we can't say in church anymore, justification. We're talking about them in Sunday school where God says you're no longer guilty. Not because you're no longer guilty. It's because Jesus Christ died on the cross, paid for your sins, and your sin debt has been paid in full. You have been sanctified if you receive the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. Well, take your Bibles and turn to the book of Acts today, that wonderful Word of God that we have before us. And church, is getting crazy in the book of Acts. Could you imagine living in this time? We talk about the wild, wild west of the U.S., but could you imagine living in this time? People throwing dirt on you and kicking you and beating you and, and leaving you for dead, and yet you get back up and God says, go preach to them again. How would you like that? We don't even like to preach to start with when it's all comfortable and 29 degrees outside or 89 degrees outside. Depends on what you like, what weather you like. We get uncomfortable sometimes just by just walking down the street. And, and uh, Brother Adrian was, shared something with me, and I'm probably still in something. I didn't watch you. Th- did you th- do Thursday night Bible study, by the way? I missed it. I'm good. I didn't miss it. But I'm going to steal some of your thunder because he talked about having an appointment, how we talked about even in the sermon. That's how preachers do. We play off each other when we, we give a good word from God. And we hear it, and we register it, and we steal it, too, just for the record. So I had the pulpit, and I have the microphone, so I'm going to steal it. He talked about making an appointment. We have a purpose. And like Paul and uh, Barnabas, we talked about last week, had a purpose to go somewhere to do something. And he talked about sharing the gospel. And you don't go to Walmart just to, just to go share the gospel. If you go to Walmart to get, a, get something to drink, guess what you went to Walmart for? Get something to drink. And you accidentally go in and... See, someone may be talking about the Lord. That's not a witnessing opportunity that you plan for, but we should be ready at all times. Is that true? I won't steal the rest of it. I'll leave the rest of it for you to share later. But it was a good word that we, our lives are full of. We wake up on Monday morning, and we'll do the same thing we did last Monday if we're not careful. Unless our job is a sales job or, or a student or something differently, we'll do the same thing we did last week. Just repeat it and hit press play. And we're not, we will not look for divine opportunities. And God, where will you send me today? Who will come into my office today? What office will I go into today? Lord, I'm looking forward to doing something that you want me to do today besides just your job. Your job is your gateway to the gospel. Do you understand that? It's a door. It's a gateway to the gospel. Whatever you do, wherever you do it, it's a gateway to the gospel. If you're retired, that's your gateway to the gospel. I, I don't know what everyone does, and even if you told me, I probably still wouldn't understand. But God has a plan and a purpose for your life, and your life is to bring him glory. Does that television program bring him glory? If the answer is no, then don't watch it. Does that music bring him glory? If the answer is no, then don't listen to it. You say, Pastor, we can't listen to any secular music. The answer is yes, you can. I was singing Boogie Shoes yesterday, cutting grass up here at the church. Some of you don't know what that is. You're going to look at it. Don't do a search right now. Wait for it. Wait for it. We'll get into the, the word, and then we'll look at it. It's a throwback song. So I'm not saying just throw everything out. Don't throw the baby out with the bathwater, but I want you to come to the place and start inviting the Lord Jesus Christ. Listen, he has a personal invitation to go where you go because he has invited himself in. Did you know that? When you invite him to be your Lord and Savior, he goes with you. He watches that movie. He goes to that concert. He does everything that you do when you go and do it. 
So think about that as you process through. And think about Paul and Barnabas today. We look into the Word of God. God's got them on mission. They're far, far from their comfort zone. Now, I told you Saul, who now they're calling Paul because he's taken his, he's gone from his Hebrew name to his Roman name. He has more influence now because he's a Roman citizen as well. He's going into areas that they know him from his past. Does anybody know your past? My brother sitting right here, he knows more about me probably than everybody in the, in the building. My mom knows a lot about me. My sister knows some about me, but he knows more about me. He knows real me. He's gotten as crazy as I've gotten in the times past. Before Christ, the people know you before you became a Christian. Well, don't they have some stories to tell? How would you like for them to fill up the room or come and sit and say, let me tell you a story that I know about him? And then you'd be embarrassed, especially if you start knowing people who know stuff about you, really personal stuff about you. You'd be like, hey, hey, don't, don't, don't. Y'all ever heard, been to a roast, a dinner roast? I don't like them where people roast people. They try to do it at, uh, at weddings and different things. It's fun to tell jokes and have, hang out and, and say different funny things. But to actually get to the place of hurting someone, then it goes way, way, way too far, I think. We come to the place, and listen, before Christ, we could say this. Before Christ, and I've told you since I've been here, you have a junkyard dog for a pastor. Amen? Don't amen that. My wife can do that, and my family can. That's who I am. You don't have to like that. You don't, I'm not trying to, well, poor me. It's not that at all. It's just who, who God saved me from. But let me tell who this junkyard dog pastor preaches to. A bunch of junkyard dogs. Amen? You were a sinner because your mama gave birth to you. Did you know that? A sinful woman gave birth to you, therefore, but the Bible says you were born into sin. You don't, you don't inherit sin to the point of actually getting it from later in life. You're born into it, therefore, you must come out of it by a Savior. Every one of us must come to the place that we need somebody to get us out. If you go to another man or another woman who is sinful, guess what they do? They don't pull you up out of sin. Where do they pull you? They pull you down into more sin. You never get away from sin if you depend on another man or woman. They will always pull you down. There's only one man, and his name is Jesus, who lived a sinless life, who is the son of the living God, who can actually reach down and not just pull you out, but take you completely. And he says, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. That's a promise we have from God himself, the creator God. You say, was Jesus creator? And the answer is, what does John chapter 1 say? Everything that has been made, everything that was made, was made by him. And who is him? His name is Jesus. He's the creator God. He's the giver of life. He's the Savior, and He's our Lord, if we would accept Him as our Lord and Savior. Some people say, well, I believe in the fatherhood of God. Well, your belief's a little bit wrong. God is the creator of all mankind, but He's only the Father of those who call upon Him as Lord and Savior. Only those who receive Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, to those people He's given the right to be called sons or daughters of God. Only those people. As a matter of fact, He addressed... Everyone outside the kingdom of God. You know what he called the people? He called them snakes, brood of vipers, sons of the devil. He called them, listen, they've been called whitewashed tombs. They're pretty on the outside, dead on the inside. They're very religious people, but they don't know the God who made them. They don't have a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, let me see. Let's get into the notes. I, I gave you a header right there. We live in a day where everyone seems to desire the truth of their own choosing. There are a great many self-proclaimed experts pontificating about nothing, professing themselves to be wise, but showing themselves fools. Unbelieving people despise God. Did you know that? Did you know that? You say, well, Pastor, I, I never despised God when I wasn't a Christian. Yes, you did. You know how I know? 
And you say, well, you don't know me when I was a kid or when I was a teenager, when I was a young man or woman. The Bible says so. It says we were at enmity with God before salvation, meaning enmity is a war term that we were at war with God. We hated God and wanted to see him out of our life. How many people today are at war with God? They don't want anything. They don't even want to say his name. They want to say, well, my God, right? Have you heard people talk like this? Well, let me tell you about my God. And my God, and they'll have some truth mixed with error. Therefore, they've created the God of their own making, not the God of the Bible. Is the God of the Bible, listen, a God of love? The answer is, First John says, God is love. But some people try to flip that around and say, love is God. That's not true. But they're teaching that as a doctrine today, that love, just because you love someone, that you are God. But listen, don't flip it. It can't be flipped. God is love. The Bible says God is light. He shines light into the darkness. Everyone who will come to the light will be saved. But why don't people come to the light? Because we're a lot, a lot of cockroaches, aren't we? We scramble to the where? Darkness. We love darkness. The Bible says, you say, well, I don't believe that. Hold your place before we read the word. I just want to show you that this morning. John chapter 3. Do y'all, do y'all love John three sixteen? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but have what, church? Everlasting life. I want you to see this for condemnation. And this is what... Jesus taught, and then he died on the cross, was buried, rose again, and then he got his disciples, and lo and behold, he gets a disciple named Paul getting on, preaching the word of God at Barnabas. But read verse 17 after John three sixteen and 17. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He who believes in him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already, because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. What's his name? Let's say it out loud. What's his name? Say it like you mean it. Verse 19, and this is the condemnation that the light has come into the world and men love, what's the word? Darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. We're all like a bunch of cockroaches, right? And I've heard someone say that. But like a bunch of cockroaches. We scramble to the darkness. You say, well, I don't like that. These are the words of Jesus. I just added cockroaches, okay? Because I want to give you something gross, something that you don't like, that people don't think are disgusting. That's what God thinks about you before Christ. You're disgusting. Your sin makes him sick. You say, well, I'm not a sinner like that man or that woman. All sin, if you broke one sin, the Bible says you've done what? You've broken all the sins, all the law of God. You can't come to the place and say it's a little white lie. It's a lie. And it's a sin that nailed Jesus to the cross. Let me finish this so we get there. For everyone, verse 20, practicing evil hates the light. Practicing what, church? Think about your lost grandma. Is she evil? Not grandma. Think about your favorite uncle. Think about your child. If they're not Christians, are they evil? You say, well, they're nice, they're kind. All the culture, listen, they come to the place that they morally come to the place and accept yes, ma'am, no, ma'am. They shake your hand, they're kind to you. But behind behind the thoughts and behind the actions, what happens? What does the Bible say? For everyone practicing evil hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his deeds should be what? Exposed. That's why people run around at nighttime. That's why they're breaking and looting at nighttime. That's why they're covering their faces and running. Listen, it's every stripe of people tearing up the place, and they come out at night. Now, the thieves used to only come out at night. Is that true? Yesterday, my neighbor, uh, the neighbor's boy, grandson, bangs on the door. Pastor Clay, come quickly. 
our neighbor is being scammed and she doesn't understand. We have a 90-something-year-old neighbor and we, I drove down to the, her house, just a few houses down, and sure enough, a, a man with an Indian accent was trying to get her, he, he, she had a charge, a false charge on her, on her um, Amazon account, which I don't, y'all might be, find this surprising, I've never ordered one thing off Amazon, don't, don't gasp. I just don't order online because I don't trust people because of this very reason what I experienced. Even with our senior adults at the church, people are constantly trying to steal. Their deeds are evil. And she was told if she goes against three $100 Google Play cards, you say, not someone. This woman's educated beyond education. She's a, she lives by herself, never been married. Very, as far as intellect goes, highest caliber. She still drives. She still, she still sings at her church. She, she'll be at church this morning. She shared with me. This is a lady who's still mobile. She's up and going. The water's good on our street, all right? So I go there. She went to Kroger and bought three $100 Google Play cards. Google Play cards are good for nothing but, unfortunately, what you parents are creating with your buying your kids their phones, right? Kids, uh, Mom, can I get this app? $2 here. Dad, can I get this game? Yes, son. I want you to play Angry Birds and be dumb as a rock. Don't read your biology book. Just play Angry Birds, right? Come on, y'all. Listen, you come to the place, these, they've designed money cards just for games and television shows and books. And now this woman has three $100 cards, good for nothing. And the man had got her to the point where she scratched off and gave him the number on the cards but she did not give him the access code. She was just about to give him the access codes on the receipt. Well, the access codes, the cards are what? They're not valid. So I quickly called and, and said, hey, the, I called her a credit card. and trying to call a third party. She's hard of hearing. What? She's saying in the background. And um, so I had to talk to her credit card company. There were no charges on her credit card company. I called Amazon customer service. It was a fake Amazon. It even said Amazon.com had the logo and everything. It was a fake charge of $4,000 of a television sent to Massachusetts. It was even a fake account that said Amazon. And it fooled me because I don't, again, don't mess with Amazon. So we called her credit card company, no charges, put a warning on the card. We called Kroger, and I fussed at the manager. Why in the world would you sell, let your employees sell Google Play cards to a 90-plus-year-old woman without asking them, hey, do you have a grandson or someone you're giving those to? Or maybe they're using them. Who knows what Google Play cards are? Raise your hand. Okay. Who does not know what they are? I, di I didn't until yesterday. It's okay. Listen, she went there, and, I, and the and manager now, hopefully they tell you, if you go to buy a Google Play card, is this a gift or is someone telling you over the phone that you need to do this? Because it's cash for them. They can cash it in. And I said, can she bring them back? She didn't give out the codes. Can she bring them back? Well, we used to take them back, but now we don't. Why don't they take them back? Because there's been so many scams going on. They got their money. Kroger has their money. Google has their money. But this poor lady's out her money. But she was saved because of my neighbor's kid. Grandson comes in. He was screaming, she's getting scammed. And he was right. Well, comes to the place. She said, what do I do with these Google Play cards? He's doing this. <laughs> so Monday, we're going to do an interview, hopefully, with the Aiken Standard newspaper. Neighbors together. And hopefully the television program, and we call it Google Monday, because this, they know this is a racket that's set up, and they know everyone, these people are doing it. But man loves evil, and even the ones that, like say, we come to the place, the boy who was the hero of the story, 
was wondering what she's going to do with the Google Play cards. He wanted the same thing that the guy on the phone wanted, right? If you're not going to use them, then I'll just take them. We're going to try to get her money back, but we saved her lots of money and potentially her online and different things. We helped put some security on yesterday. I want you to see men love evil. Listen, come to this place. Let's, let's blow through the, let's go back to Acts chapter 13. Let's finish that chapter and then we'll get into 14 and, and it will move pretty expeditiously, hopefully. But I want you to see the unbelieving people deep down, the people that tell you there's alternative lifestyles, the people that tell you, listen, that it's okay for men and, and, and children to, to, to be inappropriately in a relationship. I'm trying to watch the words. I know the children are here. Listen, our world is going crazy. And when I was a kid, they used to say it's going to hell in a handbasket. You ever heard that term? It's going quickly to evil because men love evil more than they love the light or the good. Let's read together in chapter 13, beginning in verse 42. So when the Jews went out of the synagogue, and synagogue basically is a meeting place. Think of a meeting place, a, a place they got together. It's a Greek word. Not a, it's not specifically to the Jews, but the Jews obviously met in this place. So, the, so the, when the Jews went out of the synagogue, the meeting place, the Gentiles begged that these words might be preached to them the next Sabbath. Next Saturday, would you preach to us is what they said. Hey, we heard, we could hear through the windows because there was no windows in the building. So they heard the preaching. They're like, can we hear that next Saturday when you preach? Verse 43. So now when the congregation had broken up, many of the Jews and devout proselytes followed Paul and Barnabas, who speaking, speaking with them, persuaded them to continue in the grace of God. There's the grace of God. You'll see that one time it's going to come up again. On the next Sabbath, almost the whole city came together to hear the word of God. But when the Jews saw the multitudes, they were filled with, what's the word in your Bible? Envy, strife, jealousy. And contradicting and blaspheming, they opposed the things spoken by Paul. You know what Paul did? Paul said, Lord, this ain't fair. They hurt my feelings. I drove all the way up here, right? Or in this case, I sailed all the way and I donkeyed all the way up here. I, I rode something all the way up here. I walked Route 11, one after another, all the way up here. And they were happy last week. Last Saturday, they were all excited. And now this Saturday, they hurt my feelings. They're saying ugly stuff about me. They're calling me names. They're blaspheming the name of God because of me. Lord, you sent me here. You ever been there? You ever cried like that, like a baby? But God... You told me to do this. I did it, and now look what happened. Remember that can? My wife pulled that on me, by the way, at the dinner table. I was complaining about something. She said, take a can and get over it, right? Open it. If you weren't here, you missed that, that sermon. All right. But she used my own words against me, and I had to be quiet. Watch what happens. Verse 46, then Paul and Barnabas, they grew bold. Say that with me. They grew bold. They grew bold. And said, it was necessary that the word of God should be spoken to you first. It's first to the Jew. And then to the what? Gentile. That's the rest of us. But since you reject it and judge yourselves unworthy of everlasting life, behold, we turn to the Gentiles. Before I go any further, you have judged yourself unworthy of eternal life. What is he telling them right at that very moment? If you judge yourself unworthy of eternal life, what have you judged yourself worthy of? eternal damnation that should cut them to the heart could you imagine you can't be saved now that you've rejected the truth what if God said that today after today after you hear the gospel today you might come next Sunday but you're never going to be saved because you rejected it this Sunday aren't you glad that we have a God of grace 
I thank God that I didn't, he didn't just count me out the first time I heard the gospel. Let's keep going because it's very important. This is a prophecy. For, verse 47, for so the Lord has commanded us, I have set you as a light to the Gentiles, that you should be for salvation to the ends of the earth. Now when the Gentiles heard this, they were glad and glorified the word of the Lord. And as many as had been appointed to eternal life believed. Here we see believers and unbelievers. And the word of the Lord was spread throughout all the region. But the Jews stirred up the devout and prominent women and the chief men of the city, raised up persecution against Paul and Barnabas, and expelled them from their region. And Paul and Barnabas cried all the way home, wham, wham, wham. Is that how it goes? Aren't you glad that God gives men and gives women some unction from the Holy Spirit? When we get knocked down, he picks them up and says, now get going. Well, four of us are ready. All right. Aren't you glad that God, through the power of the Holy Spirit, when men and women of God get knocked down, he picks them up and gets them going? Aren't you glad of that? I'm glad, listen, that you don't quit. We've said it before. We heard it when we were young. We've said it in here before. When things get tough, what happens? The tough get what? Going. And we've got to get going. We've got to share the gospel of Jesus Christ in our schools. We've got to share the gospel of Jesus Christ on the golf course. We've got to share the gospel of Jesus Christ in our businesses. Everywhere we go, we must be about sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ because it is God's plan that the region, the Aiken County, be saved. That's why you're here. You're not here to be entertained today. You're not here to hear, to hear a good word today or a little nugget. Give me a nugget, Pastor, so I can actually have that nugget. What do you do with all the nuggets you've heard in your whole life? Most of you have been in church 10, 15, 20 years. You should be rich, full of gold nuggets from the Word of God that you should be preaching the gospel on the street corners. How many nuggets could you possibly reserve in your life? They're not for you, by the way. If God speaks to you today, it's not just for you. You've got to give it away. Every time he gives you a gift, what do you do? You use it, of course. You grow and mature and you give it away. Does anybody still have their Maxbox cars when they were little? Anybody still? All right. Do you still lay on the floor and play with them? Don't, Cliff, don't answer that. Any of you grown men still lay on the floor and go, you change gears? Anybody? Y'all should have not done that publicly. All right. You ladies that are grown mamas, do you take your baby dolls, not with your daughters or other granddaughters, but do you still walk your baby dolls and talk for them and talk to each other, have tea parties in the upper room somewhere in a small plastic container? Barbara does. All right. He threw you under the bus. He got you like he got me, right under the bus. Why don't you do that anymore? Why don't most of us do that anymore? It's because we're growing up and we have matured. Now, that one special Mustang or Camaro, whatever your thing was for boys, that thing still brings up memory when you used to race, right? Talladega, Daytona 5, whatever it was that you did with that thing, climb mountains, dig holes, it brought, brings back memories. When you see, a, when you see different dolls and, 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 and things that are now retro coming back, right? We're getting old because all the stuff we had when we were kids are now coming back as retro things. It's funny to see. But Paul here is preaching. Listen, he didn't, get, he didn't go baby on us. Barnabas didn't go baby on us. And Barnabas, remember, son of encouragement. Paul, a little spiky, he, he, he had a temper. He would flare up. You see Paul, every time he, hey, he, he, he wants to get to the point, right? He talks back to Pharisees because he was one. He talks back to Peter. You're going to see he gets in Peter's face for reverting back to the old ways here shortly. That's the apostle Paul talking to the apostle Peter here in a little bit. Listen. Because we hold them up here, right, in high esteem. 
But they were just men of God, led by the Holy Spirit. They were stirred up. What does Paul do? Paul straight up does this. Listen, church. He comes to the place. They shook off the dust from their feet against them and came to Iconium. And the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. Can you imagine getting up to the place that you just take your shoes off and say, here's the deal. We brought you the good word. You didn't want to hear it. Listen, how many times? I tied my shoe in a knot, by the way. Should have worn my slip-ons this morning. But you didn't want to hear it. So I'm knocking the dust off my shoes. And listen, isn't it going to be terrible? Listen, it's coming for all of us. The Bible says every man will die. It's appointed. You have an appointment on God's calendar to die. And then the judgment. Every single man, woman, boy, and girl, you will die. You will be judged. Isn't it going to be sad when all those Jews are standing before the throne of God? And they'll be standing before, listen, the, the great white throne judgment. There's two judgments. There's a great white throne judgment for those unbelievers. I always think of a great white shark. I don't ever want to see one, right, or encounter one. And I never, and of course I can't be there because I'm saved. That's not bragging. That's just bragging on Jesus, okay? I can't be at the great white throne judgment because he said so. He saved me. But they're going to be standing at the throne of God saying, but God, we did all this in your name. Matthew chapter 7, read it for yourself. And that dust is going to speak up and say, mm, mm, mm. The dust, the dirt is going to be a witness. Because you know what? Guess what you're made of today? You might not like this. This might be hard for you to handle. If you're a guest with us and not used to preaching like this, listen, what are you? What were you made from? You're made from dirt. You're a walking pile of dirt with a soul. Is that true? When you die, what will you turn back into? Dirt. Save your soul. Your soul is going to be spending eternity either with God in heaven or forever separated him from him in hell. Is that true? Even if you're not a believer, are you going to turn back into dirt? If you want to go plunder, go in our graveyard, go dig down deep, and you'll find every time if they hit an old grave, we've marked them, we've marked all of them, guess what they find? Rich black dirt. There's dirt all in our graveyard. You're going to die one day. Let's get back into this. They shook off the dust from the, of their feet against them, came to Iconium, and the disciples were filled with joy with the Holy Spirit. Were they happy those people were going to hell? No, they were not happy. They were filled that they were actually, Jesus said, listen, happy are you when you're, listen, persecuted for my name's sake. Go back to Matthew chapter 5 and read it. I put it in your notes. I think it did. We'll see it later, Matthew 5, 9 through 12. Jump into chapter 14 real quick, verse 7 verses, and I'm going to answer the questions. Fill in the blanks. That's the next sermon for next week. Now, it happened in Iconium, that's where the place is, still in Turkey, that they went together to the synagogue of the Jews, and so spoke to a great multitude, both of the Jews and of the Gentiles. Guess what they did? I underlined this in my Bible. They believed. But verse 2, look, here's the opposition. But the unbelieving Jews stirred up the Gentiles and poisoned their minds against the brethren. Therefore they cried and went home. Is that what they did? No, these old boys are tough. Watch what they do. Therefore they stayed there a long time, speaking boldly in the Lord, who was bearing witness in the word of his grace. There's the grace again. Granting signs and wonders to be done by their hands. But the multitude of the city was divided. Part sided with the Jews, unbelievers. Part sided with the apostles, the believers. 
And when a violent attempt was made by both the Gentiles and Jews with the rulers to abuse and stone them, they became aware of it, fled to Lystra and Derbe. Look what they do. They get all, they go to the surrounding region, they come down. And what do they finally do in verse 7? Let me fill in the blanks for you. What do they do in verse 7? They preach the gospel. Wherever they're going, guess what they do? Preach the gospel. Do you think we can learn lessons from them today? More, if you ask somebody personally, and, and uh, we probably should do this more and more because we can't be accountable with everybody being quiet and me being the speaking head. But sometimes you ever been to the place when you turn to your neighbor, don't do it today, but we're going to do it one of these Sundays, and say, did you share the gospel this week? Did you purpose in your heart to share the gospel Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, or last Sunday? Did you share the gospel? Well, I prayed for somebody. I said, I'll pray for you. No, did, did you share the gospel? Did you get to the place and say that you're a sinner in need of a Savior? That's what Easter's all about. If you can't think of anything else to talk about, talk about Christmas. He came. He was born of a virgin. And the Bible says in Matthew chapter 1, he was, what's his name? His name shall be called Jesus because he will do what? Save his people from their sins. Can you talk about Christmas? Somebody's already complaining, put on Facebook, I saw yesterday, they complained that Christmas lights are up at Lowe's. I saw Halloween, but I didn't see Christmas, or Hobby Lobby. Don't complain about Christmas. Listen, for crying in a bucket, they're giving you an opportunity to say, wow, Christmas is already up. You know what Christmas is about? Christmas is the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible says he will save his people from their sins. You're a sinner, the Bible says, because your mama gave birth to you. Have you given your heart and life to the Lord Jesus Christ? Then take about 10 seconds. You must be purposeful when God sends you out. And has he sent you out? You say, I'm waiting for my commission. The day you got saved, you were commissioned. The day you fall through a believer's baptism, you've been obedient. You're commissioned. You're a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You've been called, set apart, to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. What if everybody in the room would preach the gospel just to their sphere of influence? What if everybody did their part on Monday? How many people would be saved on Monday? Just look around for a second. I don't know how many people are here. How many people are watching by Facebook? Or YouTube, just do a cursory number, and the people that are listening in the back, just let's just pick a hundred. Let's say, let's say there's more than 100, 100. If when hundred people shared the gospel Monday, how many Christians would there be in Aiken if God blesses that hundred people to re- lead one person to Christ? How many disciples would there be in Aiken on Monday? Come on, do the it's elementary math. There's no tricks. Two hundred. If there's two hundred people. Shared the gospel on Tuesday, and they made a disciple because the Lord gave them favor like he did Paul and Barnabas. How many people would they be saved just for those people on Tuesday? If those 400 people come to the place to share the gospel on Wednesday with just basic elementary information they know, led by the Holy Spirit, how many saved people would they be on Wednesday? Keep doing it on Thursday. Keep doing it on Friday. Keep doing it on Saturday. Y'all, getting, y'all doing this right? I'll see you, right? <laughs> Keep doing it on Sunday because we just, we did. Uh. All right. See the, see the issue? There would not be room in this church to seat anyone next Sunday. We'd be maxed out every church, multiple services next Sunday because everybody chose to be obedient to the Lord Jesus Christ and share the gospel and say, hey, come to church with me because you need to be baptized. They don't have to join our church. They just need to come here and place to actually be fed here. If they want to join next, you go out, listen. And then next week, what if we did the same thing? Let's just do it two days the next week. 
Don't, don't overextend yourself. But what if you were as zealous as Paul and Barnabas? That's what God's called us to be. The region. Let me give you the notes real quick, please. Number one, Paul and Barnabas experienced God as they traveled. They knew he was at work around them. How did they know it? Because they were saved. How do you know God's working around you? Well, hopefully you're saved. You're a Christian. If you're a Christian, you know God's at work around you. You All of a sudden the light comes on because he is the light, and he gives you the light, and he calls you say, you're the light of the world. Don't hide it under a basket. Go and tell. Go and show the light. All right, number two, Paul and Barnabas trusted the Holy Spirit to lead them. They prayerfully sought where God was at work, and they joined him. You just look around. Got that? I missed one last week, by the way. Somebody told me I didn't fill in the blanks. So. Number three, on their missionary journey, Paul and Barnabas picked the ripe fruit. Did they not? I'm going to tell you my secret, and if you go and take them all, I'm going to be upset. In our graveyard against the back wall, we, we haven't cleaned up that, that debris. Everybody's leaving. I don't, a lot of activity. All right, y'all, if you use the bathroom before church, all right, here's the deal. When we come here, don't distract. It's distracting. That's five people. Security's on alert. Ready? All right. Y'all, everybody go to the bathroom before church, all right? If you got a bladder control problem, set on the wings. Amen? Come on, y'all. All right. Here's the deal. The graveyard at the West Campus, if you drive in to the second driveway, to the right, all along the tree line, there's these things called, does anybody know what they are? They're purple. They're muscadines. Plums are close. They're muscadines, right? There's, sometimes there's these big green ones that are called scuppernines, I think. Is that right? Scuppernines. Scup- when I was a kid, I couldn't understand what the old people were saying. I called it scuppydimes, like dimes and scuppies, right? Well, these are muscadines or muscadines, and they're beautiful, dark colored. They're wild grapes in South Carolina. Have you ever eaten them? Anybody ever eaten them? Don't go eat all these because I drive drive down there and just open the window and take them off. I eat the whole thing. I chew them up. They're sour, and they got a seed in the middle, so be careful. If you go do it, don't break a tooth. You can go see Trey if you do, right, Trey? All right, go eat them and break a tooth. He wants you to go break a tooth and see him. Um, If you eat them, they're sour. But what if you eat a green one that's supposed to be purple? And I was going to bring some this morning for some of the youth that has never tried them. I was going to taste them in front of us. If you pick, why, why do you pick the green ones? The answer is, you don't. What do they need to do? Stay on the vine just a little bit longer. Why do you pull, the, pull those nice, dark, almost black, the purple ones? Why do you pull the purple ones? Because they're ripe. How do you know on a tree like that which ones are ripe and which ones are not ripe? By the color of the outside texture, right? If it's dark, purple. And by the way, if you want to go do it after church, go try it. The graveyard's not locked. Just don't drive on the graves. Go and try one. And try to eat the whole thing. Skin and everything. It's good. It's got full of antioxidants and all kind of stuff. But don't eat them all because I want some and the deer eat them too. And raccoons eat them. But don't eat the green ones. Eat the green ones, you're going to regret it. Unless they're what? Scuppadines, which are green, and they have a, this nice champagne color to them, a, a burgundy-ish color. Why did I tell you that story? You pick the low-hanging ripe fruit. When we walk out of here, who do we go share the gospel with? Who do we share the gospel with? Who should we be sharing the gospel with? Everyone. Who's the ones that's probably most receptive to it? The ones that engage in the gospel with you. Oh, is that true? I didn't know that. Everybody says, I don't believe that stuff. 
Well, that, guess what? They're just green fruit. Leave them alone. Keep on going. I ain't wasting my time with you because I know you're bitter. You like darkness rather than light. But the person that engages with you, I want to talk to you about Jesus because I was that person. And by the way, if you're saved, you were that person one day. Somebody told you about Jesus. And you should go back and thank them if you know who they are. But listen, Paul and Barnabas, they picked the ripe fruit. The Gentiles were ripe. The Jews were sour. Some of the Jews believed. But the Gentiles were like, hey, can we hear this next Saturday? Can we hear this again next Saturday? And people believe they, they wanted to be a part of that. I guess where you would spend your time if you were called by God? With the people that were the ripe fruit. Let's fill it in. When God extended his grace to the Gentiles, the spiritual fight began. Jealousy and division arose among the religious believers. Jealousy and division. How many times do we hear that today? Especially in this election year we're in, everybody can do better than everybody else. And all of them have been in government for 40 years. Blows my mind. Number five, Paul and Barnabas grew bolder under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit as the fight grew. They relied on God, His Word, and His leading. They only went where He said to go. But they used the Word of God. And guess what? You and I have the Bible today as God as our lead. I put this, and it might not be ironic to you, but number six, it was the will of God that His gospel be spread through the entire region. Paul and Barnabas were His mouthpiece. Is that true? Guess who His mouthpiece is in Achan? He doesn't use the angels. Who's he use? Us. With the word of God, led by the Holy Spirit of God, preaching about the Son of God. Got it? You're his mouthpiece. And if you're quiet, listen, no one's ever going to hear from you. you say, well, they'll just watch my actions. What about days you have a bad day? Your actions, one bad day will erase seven good days. You must speak the gospel. Number seven, ironically, when faithful followers of Christ experienced persecution like Paul and Silas, uh, Barnabas did, there's joy in their hearts. Matthew chapter 5, Jesus said, listen, you're going to be blessed. You're going to be blessed when you're persecuted for my name's sake. Now, if you're just being goofy, that's on you. True? Joy won't come for you being dumb. But joy comes when you share Jesus and people mock you, make fun of you, or even some people are going to be put in jail. The gospel produced believers in Iconium. What would the gospel produce in Aiken, South Carolina? Believers, Amen. Number nine, Satan used the unbelieving to spread his poison of hate. And it even says the word poison. His poison of hate and division among the people of the region. Guess what he'll do in Aiken, South Carolina? He'll spread his poison. Every time you try to spread the good news, he tries to spread his poison and cause division. But Jesus, if you go back and look, Jesus said in Matthew chapter 10, you don't have that in your notes, but you might want to read this. Put it in your notes if you take notes. Matthew chapter 10, 32 through 42. Jesus taught that he did not come to bring peace, even though he's the prince of peace. He come to divide. Did you know that? He come to set us apart. And every time you set us apart, it's like cutting a big old fresh watermelon. When you cut it in half, you got two pieces. And there's, it's been divided. And it will never be the same. We have one watermelon. I just thought about having it cut back there. So that's why I thought about that. I might cut it after lunch. Finally, number 10. The gospel of Jesus Christ divided the city. Many believed and were eternally saved. Many did not believe and were eternally condemned. And I can't, and my, my heart was broken when I read that going, God, these people knew. They were in the presence, first of all, they were in the presence of Jesus, some of these people. But they, they were in the presence of, of Paul. And, and the Bible, if you go back and read carefully, it says God gave them ability to do miraculous things. The apostles are doing things that, that you can't explain, only that God did it. And yet the people were unbelievers. Listen, today, all of you, from, from my right all the way to my left, the gospel's true today like it was in this time. 
the Bible says you must be born again. Jesus himself said that. My challenge to you today is, listen, have you, do you know that you know that you know that you're saved? Not, hey, I'm a church member, I'm religious. So are these guys that were eternally condemned. Do you know that you're saved? Have you given your heart and life to Jesus Christ? Are you preaching the gospel? Are you teaching the gospel of Jesus Christ? Let me pray for us today. Father God, I pray that we would get this message deep, deep in our hearts. That we would know, that we know, that we know that we're saved. And that we have a purpose. And our purpose is to bring you glory. And sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ brings you glory. Help us be like Paul and Barnabas. Not afraid, but bold. And every time we receive persecution, talk about the joy of the Lord being our strength, as Nehemiah said. Help us, Lord, because we need your help. We live in a world that wants to be politically correct. Everyone has a truth of their own choosing. And let us be the ones that are the people of the narrow way who preach the gospel in Jesus Christ alone. We need your help. We need your strength. We need your wisdom. Pray these things in Jesus' name and for his name. Amen. Hey, the challenge is for us today to give our hearts and lives to Jesus Christ. Do you know that you know that you know that you're saved? Are you being obedient to Christ? Or do you need to confess to him, Lord, I've been sorry. If I was your employee, you would have fired me a long time ago because I haven't been doing your work. Aren't you glad, 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 glad that he has the grace that pours out of him and says, listen, I forgive you. Every time you ask him, he forgives you. Yet Yesterday's gone. Today is today. Let's get up and let's go do it together. Aren't you glad God's not like me? Don't say amen. He loves you and he wants to work with you. He's, he wants to push you and he wants to ebb you closer and closer to him. He wants you to be more and more like Jesus, who was perfect, but you will never be perfect until you get to heaven. But he loves you this morning. He's not condemning you. The Bible says he didn't come here to condemn you. He came here to save you. And everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord, the Bible says, shall be saved. Romans 10, 13. Have you called on his name? Are you saved? Have you followed through believers' baptism after you were saved? Because it's for believers. It's not for that little kid that was baptized. You grew up Catholic or any other denomination. It's not for the baptized kid. It's for the believer who has received Jesus Christ and then followed through believers' baptism. That's who baptism is for. If you need to pray, altar's open this morning. I'll pray with you. We'll pray after church. If you need to make a decision for Christ, I encourage you to make that decision today. Don't wait today. Don't wait any longer. Let's stand together and sing.